0: Celtics Stuff Live, with your hosts, Justin Poulin and John Dukes.
1: Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics, who are not in session, John. And we're all sitting at home, maybe getting a little squirrely, trying to figure out how to fill our days. But be safe, Marcus Smart. Let us know that he had actually tested positive, but really wasn't having any symptoms and was doing well. Thank goodness. Who knows what's going to happen with the season? But, uh, you know, some creative things going on in the industry to keep us sort of plugged in and engaged. One being CLNS Media with the uh, virtual games and the play-by-play with Max and Grandy and Nick. Good stuff. Enjoying that. And then I'm not able to see anything in the local market, but you texted me, what was it, Friday night and said, hey, if you can get it, you need to log on because uh, we have Paul Pierce and Scal. Was that right? That's right. Yeah, went play-by-play of Game 6 of the 2008 uh, championship Celtics team, or 2007-2008 championship team, Uh, the big win over the Lakers to put Banner 17 up into the rafters, a game that I had the pleasure of not only being at, but being behind the scenes and and, uh, having the pleasure of getting to ask Kevin Garnett a question. I also wanted to let you know, I bought the movie uncut gems to watch just again. That was one of the ways I passed the time, pretty phenomenal movie, but we can get to that later. What are you doing? My friend, are you staying sane and how are you, uh, getting your Celtics
0: fix? Uh, I'm doing a podcast with, a, uh, uh, <laughs> fellow insane person, uh, no it's it's tough, right? Like that's what we're all trying to do is seek out these different little snippets of our day. I mean, a Friday night in March, or a Sunday in March, are prime times when our body our body clocks as fans are kind of tuned to, oh. You know, I got to watch the game tonight because we're two and a half games back at Toronto and Toronto's playing in Milwaukee and we could gain a game, you know, all that type of stuff. Like, that's what my brain, my heart, my body is like telling me is like Friday night. No joke. I didn't go to work. I, I who, You know, I'm working from home. But, you know, and um, I'm sitting there I'm, the like fact, the reason that neither of us have shaved. Right, <laughs> and you know, so I'm going, and I'm just like, okay, well, it's Friday night, got turn you know, turn the game on, you know, I, like there was a part of my body was like ready to do that. The sunlight is kind of still up. It's like, oh, okay, dinner's over, time to sit down, see what Mike and Tommy have got going, you know, the Celtics are playing tonight, and it's just like, ah. so the ability Friday night to sit down and be like, oh, Celtics basketball, okay, you know, that was it was kind of like comforting in a way. Unfortunately, I, heard, I had to hear Mike Breen, and, you know, that's a whole other story, but, you know, but it was... <laughs> Beggars can't fan. be choosers, right? <laughs> Beggars can't be choosers, and it was the Celtics, it was KG, you know, it was Paul, and, you know, the other guy, and then, you know, Rondo, and it was, it was awesome. It was just so much fun. It was just all those memories were kind of flooding back, of that night watching the game, how I was feeling, you know, how you, you know, you and I doing the show with JB afterwards. 12 years ago. Right. With Patrick Patrick Gilroy. Gilroy. That's right. So, I mean, all the memories of that night were kind of flooding back to me. And, you know, we talk a lot about those teams and who was good and what happened and, you know, Ray leaving and all that, but it's just, just watch the game. And and, and there were things that I didn't remember about that game. I remember that. Do you remember Leon Powell? Of course, remember Leon Powell. <laughs> Love Leon Powell. <laughs> uh, you know, but the, you know just the benches and, and just everything was uh I don't think I'd sat down and watched a full game from that season in a long time. So that was, did that you was a that was a real see the
1: anything is possible
0: clip? Oh, oh, of course. Anything's possible. I, <laughs> I know. That was awesome. I mean it's It just, was so great. Uh, the floor game mobbed. I mean, that doesn't like you watch the when they win now. It's you know, yes, everyone's cheering, but like this was this was like the whole like it, it was a different level. I felt like and I don't think it's selfish. I think we're just saying it felt like it was at a different level of what we've seen from champions in recent years. Um, you know, the franchise, the fans, everybody just jubilant. And uh, it wasn't about the players. It wasn't. It was. It was so much bigger than what you know Kobe had had done, or what you know Steph well, had we done. Well, we were still you know? in that stretch where we weren't used to being winners, right? That was only seven years
1: into New England having a champion uh, champion around. Mm-hmm. So the Pats won in O one one, and then you know the Sox follow, and so we got the Sox, but we were also being neglected if you remember the whole reason that this show got started was because nobody would talk about the celtics because they were the only team that wasn't competing for a championship even the bruins beat us to the punch in terms of being competitive for a stretch there and danny was taking all this flack when he when there was a conversation about the celtics It was derogatory in nature to the job that Danny was doing. How could he trade away Antoine Walker? All of that stuff. How could he take that team that, you know, kind of had a puncher's chance against the New Jersey Nets? How could he dismantle that? And, you know, where are we going? And the next thing you know, they're worst to first. And they trade for Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen, obviously not in that order. And then there we were, not even 12 months later watching them raise the banner and some of that's about how fast that ride happened.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean we were doing this show before, right? 06, 07, the depths, the 18 game losing streak, Tony Allen blowing out his knee on a on a dunk after the whistle, Paul Pierce with a with an infection in his arm. I mean Everything that elbow that thing gone wrong was so
1: bizarre too, right? Yeah. yeah, And the whole saving grace of dealing with that was that we were going to get the number one overall pick, right. and then the ping pong ball slap us upside the head with number five, and and the prospects at the top of that draft, obviously Greg Oden, Kevin Durant, you and I back and forth, but there were other players, including Jeff Green, that we had interest in, but we knew Don't the drop offs. Well. Oh, nope, he, nope. Yeah, don't worry. I'm going. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> the drop off point was, well, we saw him in a workout. And he was defended by a chair. Remember all that commentary? And so that was the drop off point. We were like, seriously, number five, I we know. have the right to pick. And then look, where did ye go? <laughs> where is he today?
0: Where? Where? <laughs> Where where are where are ye? <laughs> where are ye be? I know. It, it, it's uh, you know and of course Jeff Green gets t- chosen for that fifth pick, sent to Seattle, and you know everything was off. I that was also I mean just a year ago. I, I mean twelve, thirteen years ago. Thirteen years ago, a year before that. 08 you know run. I mean. It was as bad as it could get. I mean, we felt very good about Al Jefferson. We felt good about Perk and Rondo. I mean, it's not as if uh, as bad as that season was that, you know, no, all hope was lost. we got was figured with
1: Pierce coming back right. and maybe a number one pick that we would be building something and that Pierce would be the leader right. who would see us into that new guard. It, what we thought was going to happen is what's happening today. Right. Exactly. like, and yeah. So that's how we thought it was going to go. And then it didn't, which is interesting, because what's going on today, if you even look at last season, everybody is like, why aren't we flipping these players and going and getting the next Kevin Garnett, Anthony Davis, because that's the way it worked last time. But this just to remind everybody, this isn't the way that we expected it to work. This is quite what's happening now is the way we thought it was going to go that first go around, which is why. When that pick fell at number five, we were all thinking Rick Pitino and Tim Duncan. And, yeah, people went back to Len Bias, but that that wow. wasn't because we didn't have the pick. It really was no correlation other than just a disappointment that we weren't going to have a top pick playing for the Celtics, but very loose. The real one was the Tim Duncan lottery and the Rick Pitino era that uh, became, I think, the most frustrating for people when it didn't. Remember Tommy's face? because he went to the draft uh, or the lottery
0: mm-hmm.
1: when Definitely. when they when they pulled up number 5 i mean you could just hear him from like his broadcast voice you heard it in your head
0: oh come on <laughs> you got to be kidding me <laughs> no it's true and and i think that that was to go i mean just in a very short span right mid may to you know end of july in 2 months we went from as low, probably as as I felt as a Celtics fan, or probably ever, honestly, you know, at, at that point, and feeling like all hope was lost, to uh, you know, draft night where we do the show and epic draft show, and and you know, second another shoe's going to drop from Mike Gorman after the Ray Allen trade, and of course, you know, a month later, here we are that move and then and then that season right so then we move on to the season and it was magic right i mean by the way another shoot a
1: drop with mike gorman you just snuck that in there but that was like a pivotal moment in In our history because we had uh that what six hour draft night show and there was the trade for ray allen and mike came on for a quick maybe like 10-minute interview after the pick or soon On his way pick.
0: home. He was driving on home his, after oh, the pick. but then he called us back on oh, right, his right, way right,
1: home. Right. So yeah. he called us like right after the pick, but it had to be quick hitting it. But you're right. Then he called us on his drive home and spent, I think, 90 minutes with us.
0: Like and it. you're yeah. right.
1: That whole conversation was Mike saying it's pretty hard to imagine them making a move like this if there wasn't another if there wasn't another move coming. Another shoe to drop. Anyway, keep going. I just I didn't want you to just slide right on by that because that interview with Mike and a lot of the ones after that from Grandy as well. You know, we had a lot of like one and a half hour, two hour conversations with them telling us throughout that season and into the next one what was really going on, what was really gonna happen. And I think that's when the show really got legitimacy.
0: As crazy as it sounds, yeah, I think you're absolutely absolutely right. I mean, I think that that was uh, that was when we kind of we didn't jump the shark, but I, well, I think we jumped a level certainly uh, as a as a as a broad, as a team as a as a as a broadcast as a show, and and we went from just and I the team also jumped up a level too, you know, and so that was a situation that so it jumped up every level. Yeah like, right. Yeah. Like finish Frogger. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. It was the kill screen from Don- Donkey Kong. You know, it was. It's just everything. Boom. It was all over. I I just think that like we were, uh, it was a little bit of right place, right time for us, sure. Um, but it was also a situation where, um, you know, I think everybody involved, like you said, everybody, the front office, the 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 uh, media relations folks the the reporters around the team i mean everyone just kind of it was different all of a sudden oh know? it was and,
1: so much fun going and, for me today that following season and just you're right. uh, the you're right there was a whole bunch of new faces we'd never seen but there was an old crew that had stuck through that that rebuilding stretch you know the scott suzes and the jess Camarettos. she was kind of new like we were um uh, you know, even Gary Zen from the Globe was kind of new. But then you had Bull Pat, and uh, you had um, and, and Mark Spears showed up, yep. right? Mark like, for, yep. and, and so there was just but it was an interesting buzz amongst that whole crew and the looks on their faces, the ones who had been through that previous season when we first got the credentials <laughs> to the way, you know, like, man, we're actually going to enjoy this. Right, like this is going to be a fun this is not only is there going to be lots of stories but this is going to be fun and i think a lot of it again you know i got a chance to watch uncut gems but just kevin garnett and his energy and his attitude and everything else you know was i think part of the reason it was so much fun it wasn't just the winning it was the characters you know and watching that whole team come together man were they a unique bunch
0: and i think that was you know talking about that unique bunch, right? Because I, watching that game, uh, as, you know, first of all, Doc went 11 deep in that game, you know? (laughs) So everyone who wants to, like, get on, you know, Brad for playing too many guys or whatever, I mean, Doc went 11 deep in that game. So it's not, I mean, and it wasn't like, it was when the game was in doubt. This is not when the big blowout times. I mean, he was rolling big baby out there as a rookie. You know, Tony Allen got I mean, everybody played in that game. A fair amount, um, so kind of had but, to. They were getting tired.
1: Yeah, I mean, they were. Honestly, that Detroit yeah. series wore them out before they even got to match up with the Lakers.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, and you know, I think they had really had a big bullseye on that uh, Pistons series because that you know, the Pistons were kind of the East's elite at that point since they won in 0-4. The Wallace
1: and yeah, uh, Prince.
0: Right. Even though LeBron got past them in 0-7, I think people still looked at that pistons team is kind of you know the the elite the pedigree team of the of the east and, and though probably not at the same level as you know some of the other teams out west the suns the spurs all those guys that was the team that everybody knew boston had to go through right and you know so they needed a bench and i remember you know uh you know bob ryan got a lot of flack because he's like you know Maybe they're an eight seed or something like that in terms of the Celtics saying you know you need to have a fully full out bench. Well, you know and let's throw, put P.J. Brown aside because you know he came in later in the, in the in the mix though. Posey was huge for this team, an absolute. I mean, he filled every mark, and, and that is the type of guy. If he was a little younger,
1: it was he, he, he was he was the Robert Corey the big he, shot, yeah. Off.
0: But he would have been perfect to play against Odom. They had a lot of problems with Odom in nine and ten. And I think that Posey was a guy playing that kind well, it was of before
1: three slash four. You need
0: it. Yeah. That was
1: new. Nobody was really doing that. And we heard a lot of talk leading yeah. up to then that Danny was in love with that stretch for. Remember, Hakeem Warwick was coming out and everybody had everybody had him tied to a Hakeem Warwick because he was a light But long four or that long three, everybody was always talking about that. The reason I mentioned the Robert Ory thing is because at Media Day that year, that was the question that I asked uh, Posey was, you know, do you think you can bring that that Robert Ory, you know, presence to this team? And he goes and he goes, why not James Posey? Like, you know, why not bring the James Posey effect to this team? (laughs) So he was kind of like, dude, don't compare me to anybody else. It was it was a funny little. Funny little interview, but it was a ton of fun. But he was, though. I mean, he did all the dirt. And to your point, you know, Odom and Walker were really the only, you know, three slash four. And not because Antoine's quote, why do you shoot so many threes? Because they don't make fours. (laughs) But it was, you know, but they were were that mold. And there weren't a lot of players in the league then. Now you look at Tatum and and Brown. It's what everybody's
0: coveting. The whole league, yeah, absolutely, right. And that's the you know the, as the, as the game started to change, you know, Odom was really a big fit because he was a guy who could make, help the Lakers make that jump. You know, you can play Gasol at the five, you know, if you know without buying him, or you can you know he just he fit that role once the Celtics lost Posey right? after this year. Pose Posey? No, no Posey. Oh, I think Odom was six nine or six eight and change. Yeah. yeah, But Odom, Odom was small.
1: six ten. That was yes. the big
0: yeah. Yeah, but you know that was I thought Posey was Posey was was really big, uh, and his loss kind of I think was really something they never able to fill. But I mean, Eddie House, man, Eddie House. I mean, it felt like. I got the box score up. He only went one for five, but it felt like he hit every single three-pointer he took uh, in the playoffs that year. I mean, he was so clutch for these guys bringing that, that shooting off the bench. So that way when Rondo wasn't, when, you know, they were kind of playing off of him, and boy, were they playing off of Rondo in that game six, you know, pose, you put, you put house in, and, you know, he just opens the floor for everybody. They, that guy can't wander away and double, you know, bring a quick double to superior. Yeah, and
1: would just hang out in the corner and knock it down every time. It's, he was spacing. He was spacing.
0: He was, yeah.
1: yeah. What a bunch of fun that team was.
0: It was. Leon Poe. I mean, I love Leon Poe. That was, that was probably one of my favorite guys in that whole crew because he was somebody He's who was bottom of the second round pick and just, Always productive, always productive. And he
1: and Mark Spears were tight. I don't know if you knew that, but they were both from Southern California. Yeah. Yeah. They both had college careers. Mark's was ruined by knee injuries. I can't remember if it was an ACL, but, you know, Mark was playing college ball. I don't know if he was playing at UCLA like Leon was, but, you know, Leon had ACL surgeries on both legs and still found a way to dig into the pros. So they had bonded on that. And uh, he was also a big Eric Weiss favorite at the time of Draft Express and now BB IQ, but in um, Sports Aptitude. But um, but Eric was a huge fan of Leon Poe, and I remember asking Doc all kinds of questions about Leon. And we were leaving one time, and it was actually Mark Spears who teased me. But he was like, "Dude, you know we got we got articles to write. We just had this huge game. They, you know, Pierce went off." Garnett, da, da 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 and you're asking questions about Leon Poe's playing time. <laughs> but that's what was great was the end of that bench was fun to follow, even though they got good. And that doesn't usually happen. Usually you've got your top five guys in the rotation, and all anybody wants to focus on is them. And those end-of-the-benchers are just kind of an afterthought. But there was tons of personality. You mentioned Big Baby. I mean, what about the crying shit on the bench and Kevin Garnett giving him such a hard time and and all of that and what became Shrek and Donkey later on, right? Like, um, you know, those young players were key pieces. I mean, I know you said that they went 11 deep, and they didn't always go 11 deep, but they needed some young players You know, look at the starting five, Rondo and Kendrick Perkins. Young, young, unproven guys had to step up for them to win that championship. It didn't just happen. P.J. Brown, you know, probably only needed him to shoot one shot, but it was the one (laughs) shot they needed him to hit. Um, It was just an amazing, amazing time. Pretty magical.
0: I think, you know, it's just that's, you know, going into that season, though, they were not counted on to do well, but the stars were so strong that it allowed everyone to play their role. And th- all of those guys gave a little bit of themselves. They were the young players who hadn't established themselves, or they were older players who had already been there, done that. So everyone was able to find that role. And we talk about last year's team. It's just so refreshing to see a team that it's about winning. It's about the, you know, the, the championship chase. And it didn't get you know sidetracked with individual pursuits. And that was what was so, uh, I guess, laudatory. Endearing. Endearing. endearing, yeah. That's it. Yeah, it, uh, totally. Totally endearing just to watch those guys and be like, man, they are giving all of themselves. I mean, the hustle, the hustle those guys brought defensively, locking down the Lakers in that game, I mean, they did not want to give up a point. they were not going to just simply go quietly in the night and give it all up they were they were focused and they were rabid they were going after it you know and that's that was what was so fun to watch about that team. you know from one to fifteen, those guys were battling, and that night, you know, like I said, it was just a celebration and well, let's was,
1: get to that. give me one second because go for it. celebration's a whole other piece that's a whole nother uh Half of the show, really, it could be. So, we're going to tell you about Bet Online with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB. Uh, You might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline, still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol stock prices, even the weather visit the website or use your mobile device and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code CLNS 50 bet online, your online wagering experts. All right, John. So the celebration, right? Celebrate good times. Uh, really? It was, it was, uh, they were endearing and that wind was elating and it's amazing that they played the Lakers, honestly, uh, because it could not have been scripted up any better. And you hear it all the time. Oh, yeah, Lakers, Celtics, Celtics, Lakers, da-da-da. But for that drought to be so long, right, 22 years or no?
0: Yeah, 22 years. 22 yep.
1: years? Yep. So that I was going to say, thanks for checking my math. Because <laughs> uh, 22 years, um, for them to go back and it to be against the Lakers is pretty – Pretty phenomenal. And I think that's, you know, honestly, I know KG would have gone into the rafters anyway, you know, but had that championship been against Portland or, you know what I mean? I'm not, it, that was a big part of it was the rivalry. KG became part of the Celtics and Lakers rivalry. And and so not taking anything away, because you know how I feel about the man, but just saying that that was, you know, that, that was an important piece for his legacy because, yes, they played again in 2010. You want to talk about leaving it all on the floor. I mean, Kendrick Perkins was dead, you know, and they lost, but not from that lack of scrap and effort. They just didn't have any more in the tank. And, um, you know, uh, I think that that's a big part of of that legacy and and was that team, his attitude, and then, you know, two matchups against the Lakers, he's cemented in uh, in that rivalry. It's key.
0: You know, he didn't have a great series. You know, that that was, you know, going back and looking at these these numbers here. He didn't have a great series. Oh, he that's had really, Paul was the MVP, right? Paul was the MVP. Paul had the better series. But but Kevin had the better game six, the clincher. He was a little, you know, full fired up. You could tell he was a little bit too much, a little too much, you know, Kevin going on. But, <laughs> but once he... <laughs> He went ten for eighteen. He was, he had eleven boards, excuse me, fourteen boards, four assists, twenty six points, three steals, and a block. That's a pretty darn good game there for for Kevin Garnett. Uh, you know he he was he Ray Allen had twenty six as well, four boards. Uh, Paul uh, Ray was seven for nine from three. Uh, in the in the uh, in the seven set, for the nine, he went on to do that for Miami too, right? He tied the single-game record, <laughs> uh, record for NBA at that point, winning seven for nine. In, wow. In he made 21 threes. Ray made 21 threes in the finals, which at that point was a finals record. I'm guessing it's no longer a finals record. Uh, <laughs> things have changed in the game a little bit since then. But, yeah, I, I, Kevin Garnett needed that game. He needed that game to cement his legacy. He really did. I, I, I think that he was always going to be a great player. But he would have been a guy that's more put on the level of, of someone like Barkley or someone who's um, who had a good career but was never able to get over the hump. And this this cemented it. This cemented his legacy. But it also, for someone whose game was or, or someone whose uh, game and his his import to the game was so much more about what he did as a teammate and what he did as a leader. He needed this victory to cement that, and I think that's why it's important. It's not so much that he wasn't a great player, but it, it, to look at his case as now probably a Hall of Fame player, um, likely, this is going to be a big part of that. And the fact that he led this team, he led this franchise, he led this city, this region. To this championship. But then uh, the loyalty to important.
1: Minnesota, too. I mean, when you talk sure. about the same piece, the loyalty to Minnesota through all of that, I mean, and the way that he had to be coaxed to come yep. to Boston. Like that was not an easy prying. There were rumors that Boston was going to trade for him going back 14 months to it finally getting executed. There were long, there were definitely conversations. I'm not saying this from firsthand knowledge, but there were definitely conversations that had been going on between Ainge and McHale for a very long time. And I think, you know, there must've been some conversation around Al Jefferson. And then as one window was closing and another window, you know, might be opening with Paul Pierce. It was clear Minnesota wasn't going to get Kevin, who they needed. They'd tried and not been successful to put Kevin around other players that were going to win a championship in Minnesota, and it was clear that it was time to move on. And it was good for Kevin, too. Because no better time for him to have moved on. We thought there were going to be a lot more years. The other thing about that legacy was he came to Boston to win a championship, and he did it in year one. So there was a lot of elation, but there was also a lot of optimism that hey, they didn't win this on their last opportunity; they won this on their first opportunity. We should have another three years of this after this, you know. And then, and we all know how that wound up playing uh-huh. out. That's why you've got to go for it when you've got it, like they did. But imagine if. Imagine if just a partial amount of the potential criticism that was going around heading into that season was true that they couldn't coalesce, that they couldn't coexist, that they, and, you know, that did wind up bearing out over time with Ray, too. We did see that happen. But if that had happened in year one, they would have never had a championship. The fact that they, Shut that down and and just put the whole thing to bed right away does say a lot about not only the players and their unselfishness, but their will to win in the moment. You know, they didn't go, hey, we got four years to accomplish this goal. They came in. They went over to Europe. They all bonded. And they were like this. We got to do it this year. Don't wait. Got to do it this year. And that's the right attitude. You want to win anything in life? You got to go in trying to get it on your first opportunity, not hey, I've got four or five cracks at this.
0: That's true. That's true. So let's let's jump ahead to that night. So only one of us was in the garden on June 17th. June 17th, 2008. Yeah, 17, baby. 17, which is Justin's whole thing. So Doc's birthday. Who else's birthday? Uh, is it Paul's birthday? Isn't Doc and Paul the same birthday?
1: I think it's Doc and Paul's birthday.
0: Yeah, I think so. I'm gonna
1: look it up. So keep going.
0: Set it up. Set so, it up. Well, I'm setting you up. So this is I am sitting at home. I I like many of those who are listening, I'm sitting at home, I'm watching on the couch, right? I know that we're gonna go post game. We're gonna we're gonna record a show after you're done doing the stuff in the locker room, talking with everybody. Uh J B and I we're gonna join you and and <laughs> uh <laughs> And Patrick Gilroy on on the air on a radio show, uh, we were going to simultaneously put that out to our listeners, which we did. But you were there. You were in the building, you were in the post game, you smelled like champagne, uh, and whatever else they had going to the locker room. Tell me what just walking in, you know, what was that night like walking in? Was there a sense of anticipation going into it that they're going to lock this thing down? or what what was the feeling?
1: I think the feeling was like, they got to win this one. And by the way, totally off on, I don't know whose birthday it was, but Paul and Docker are October 13th. But I feel like it was somebody's birthday. There was something about that day that had an, an extra level connection. It'll come back to me. All right. Walking into the building, it was like, they have to win this one. They'd have another shot at it in LA, but you got to win it in front of the home crowd. That's the best way to put it away. Plus, you never know what can happen when you go back for Game 7. So there was kind of a lot of trepidation there, too, because people were like, well, wait, no.
0: They weren't going back.
1: They weren't going back. They had both games in Boston. That's back. That was the 2-3-2. That's right. 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 So uh, my bad. So I think it was, let's put it away and not leave the door open. Let's get it at home. But I got to be honest with you walking into that building I was probably just as dorked out as Kevin Garnett was before the game. You know what I mean because you're just you're ready for it. And keep in mind, backdrop to this story, I did not go cover the team during the Pistons um matchup uh the Eastern Conference Finals because I had a baby. <laughs> well, my wife did. No, and, you did. Uh, that's a yeah, better story. I, yeah, that's a crazy story. Let's dive Yeah. <laughs> My, you know, we, we our youngest daughter, Alex, was born, you know, um, May 8th. So we're in the middle of that Detroit series. And, you know, this whole run, I mean, it's amazing. My wife is even still with me or or has
0: put up with me. Wow.
1: You <laughs> know, because there I was, you know, for a couple of home games in the finals. I, you know, but again, I stayed home for the Pistons, but I was I was rearing to go to be at the finals and experience it and praying that they were going to get through the Eastern Conference Finals just so I'd have that opportunity, you know, because that's what that's what we were working towards at the time. So I'm pretty sure I was juiced up beyond, you know, anything walking in. Plus, I, I can't remember, but I think we did the pregame show because I would stop at JB's house um, for a lot of those playoffs, do a pregame show with Gilroy and you. And then post-game would be hosted by Gilroy on, was it ESPN radio? Yeah, yeah. I think it was ESPN radio at the time. So he was doing pre-game with us, and we were doing post-game with him. And I'm pretty sure, so you got to imagine how more chaotic that is. It's a a two-and-a-half-hour ride from Maine with a stop in, was he in Melrose? I think he was in Melrose. Yep. Um, With a stop in Melrose, with all the stuff hooked up. And then in, and I may not have done a pregame. It might have been you and JB only on that one. But then, I, then I head into the garden, you know, cover the team, do all the pregame, all the interviews, blah 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 blah, blah Go find your seat. It's a whirlwind. And um, I, you know, I did for the for the playoffs. You know, I did not get the same seating I did for the regular season. Um, way up in they call it the halo. And so you're basically – I'm I'm looking – it's basically the seats I bought to take my family to the Houston Rockets game this season. And, you know, you're basically looking right at the Jumbotron. But I remember – this is the vivid – I have two or three vivid memories. The um, There was ice sculptures all over the place. I kind of remember that. But my first vivid memory is – Um, Kevin Garnett on the Jumbotron with anything is possible, but then looking at it from that vantage point of you can see them interviewing, you know, kind of like near the scorer's table, and the confetti has just gone off, and uh, and seeing him say that, like it was just, you know, I remember just looking around. It was so surreal. It's like I can't believe they won the championship. And even, you know, especially that newer media, we were all kind of looking at each other like, hell yeah. You know, we were – fans in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and and then you couldn't get in the locker room. They had to they had to block it off. There were too many people, so I never made it in for the champagne because I was doing a couple of other things. And then, finally, Brian Scalabrini emerges from the locker room more than a little inebriated, maybe. Maybe not. And he's got the champagne bottle, and he is just going around being a total character. I think he was the only one to really come out, except for the official interviews and then i remember kevin gardette's interview i got to ask him the last question uh of his interview you know and i i asked him if he remembered the you know the commercial i remember finding out about you and he's like oh yeah man you know since we came we use that clip his response to that question we use that clip quite a bit in intros you know back at uh, right around that 2008 to 2010 kind of stretch but You know, and I said, you know, what's the what's the fan base? You know, the follow-up. What's the fan base? You know, mean to you? And uh, I think that the memory I have is how sincerely Kevin said in that moment, not having even been there a year, not even having been in Boston, Celtic for a year, that he had like you could just tell because of the way the fans responded to him that he had embraced the fan base in this city as a Celtic for life. And you knew it right in that moment. And th- those are the things that
0: stand out to me the most from that night. I think so. Okay. So I, cause I didn't, I never do that. But, so sometimes, so the way it usually works for those who cover game, cause I was there during the, I, while you were in your uh, being a dad, moment there uh, in 2008. Uh, I went to the one game they lost at home, <laughs> which was the Pistons game. Jake! Yeah, right. yeah, right. This is why I didn't want to... Go. So that the was like
1: you didn't want them to lose, too. That's when we thought that the yeah.
0: series might be in trouble. Exactly. Yeah, because... That was so you had to sign up well in advance of the finals to get credentials for that. That that was all run through the NBA, whereas up to so the Pistons and Eastern Conference Finals and all the games before that playoffs, it was just through the Celtics. So we had our credentials. One of us went. So Justin being out of the mix because you know he's obviously being a dad. That was fine. I came in, you know, I did the thing. I think JB did a game as well. Um, that was no big deal. Um, but obviously it was a different it was a different feeling so like when you're near the end of a game you always kind of get your stuff together and start heading down the elevator cuz you don't want to get in the locker room get a good spot or whatever in this what this situation i would imagine that was like they're like no no no, no. we got enough people down on the floor are like you guys in the halo you new media guys you stay up here like it seems like they were just like no no we're glad you're here but <laughs> Thanks. No, thanks. but back. it was crammed.
1: It was crammed, and there sure. was like where the way they had, like, it looked totally different underneath the seats in the media section. The, there's areas where it's like wide open, and because of the amount of media that they had to host, they had to take that area and build it up into where they were serving food and where they were doing the um, interviews. You know, the post game interviews. And it was like a big table. I mean, usually you're kind of in a s- fairly small room and they come in or you're just in the locker room but they literally could not accommodate that um especially by the finals but I think the Eastern Conference finals was and and it might have it might have been all through the playoffs but there was definitely kind of a reworking of the logistics of being, you know, a member of the media versus the way it is during the regular season.
0: Did uh so that night I mean and and I just kind of your recollections I'm kind of interested in because, you know, I felt like that was the beginning of a long run. We kind of talked about this earlier. I kind of felt like this was just like 86. <laughs> I felt like, okay, now we're going to – obviously we're going to win in '09 because, you know, what can the Lakers do? And they, they mortgaged all of their future huh, to get Gasol. You know, maybe Bynum gets better, but this is pretty much what we're going to see. Maybe the Suns will make a run or whatever. Maybe the Spurs. But pretty much, like, that was it. Obviously, you know, the the bone spur in KG's knee was kind of uh, really limited the Celtics' ability. And then, of course, a whole bunch of injuries in 09 after KG got hurt that really decimated the team.
1: Rondo's was gruesome.
0: Rondo's... Well, the playoffs, you mean after... Uh, was the, that 10? That's 11. Oh, that was 11. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah, when he bent his elbow back.
0: Yes. Yeah. Disgusting. Well, and then when, tried to play through it. When right. Wade when bent, his elbow. bent his elbow back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. he's a Yeah.
1: Uh, there yeah. was a whole rash yeah. of injuries year after year <laughs> after year. You know? Yeah. And And if you remember, there was the undiagnosed bone spur with Al Jefferson that had a good oh, yeah. group of... NBA, uh, I should say Celtics fans, and specifically JB, who, you know, had a bullseye or placed a target on, uh, was it Dr. Brian McKean? Is that the team doctor?
0: Yes, yes. So, there
1: was, yeah. like, there was just tons of criticism, like, how can you not diagnose that? Al was, uh, you know, hurt all that time, and they just kept saying it was a shin injury and da-da-da-da-da. So get then, yeah. Well, yeah, right, tough it out. He can tough it out. So then... When, the, when it when it came up to KG's injury, then it was all, to, are the, is the team mismanaging it? And then to your point, just injury after injury, obviously Rondos has nothing to do with, you know, any of that. Um, and a lot of it doesn't. You know, even Tony Allen's knee, right? Like, some of this stuff just happens. It's just freakish, and it just happens. But the KG one when he wasn't able to come back really and play well in the po- in the postseason. Should they have shut him down sooner? Did they mismanage this? Like, that was an enormous storyline that year.
0: It was – and that was – it was an enormous storyline because that was – the mismanagement is almost more PR-related than it was actually maybe medical – uh because you know he couldn't play and, and all that but it was it was setting expectations of if he come back well he may, he'll be back next week and two weeks and then you know it, it just it never came and and meanwhile you had guys getting concussions and big baby got hurt and perk and like everybody at some point i think Scal was playing 25 minutes a night you know as they were starting that playoff run and an Was that the year
1: run. that he got they played the Lakers during the regular season and he went off for like twenty six or twenty-eight points and got named the White Mamba and all that. Didn't that all happen?
0: I don't remember that. I don't remember that. No, Do you but you remember him being called be. the White Mamba? Well yeah. I've I've heard that yeah, that but Did I thought that, that was before of, that.
1: That's what I was wondering.
0: Yeah. I thought the White Mamba thing was more of a of a thing that started when he was in Chicago, but I, I could be wrong about that. I Okay. You know, I kinda I, I take all the Mamba stuff, I throw it all in the same bucket, so I kind of ignore <laughs> it, but you know that's all right that's all right I I think that you know that was I guess my point was we couldn't have foreseen what was coming in 09 and 10 um and that's that's what makes 8 all the more special I think but it's just you look at how that it was everything was so perfect and 9 and 10 showed how difficult it really is and why perfection is just you really have to treasure it, you know. And I there's a oh I wish they had won, but the other piece of it is it makes eight all the more special. I think because you really do appreciate the fact it all did hit, it all it did come together, and uh, you know it's a shame it didn't last longer. But thank goodness we had it when we did.
1: Absolutely, John. And you know what? It was really. And I'm not. I'm not trying to be like really grandiose with this grandiose see there's a pun in there (laughs) it really was one of the most special times of my entire life like when i when i'm on my deathbed hopefully i'll be you know well into my 80s and still fairly healthy i will never forget that you know there's there's a handful of moments you know that i have kind of collected that all kind of stand out like if i Go back and go, oh, yeah, you know, there was Pine Tree Camp for anybody who's from Maine who may be knowledgeable, you know, shape me as a person. And, you know, this experience, getting the credentials and doing something entrepreneurial and coming up with this show and finding ways to get into the locker room and then just the – it really felt magical. And I've said it before, you know, but we're 12 years removed from that era in my life, you know. that's That's a quarter of my life a little bit more than a quarter of my life ago, and I don't even remember the first quarter. So um, it stands out as one of the most enjoyable, one of the most forcing me outside of my comfort zone, one of the most rewarding, but definitely one of the most mem- memorable times you know, since I've been alive. And I'll never forget it, and I'll always be grateful that the Celtics didn't take those credentials away from us when they finally got good, that they remembered that we were there. You know, through you know one of the worst seasons they'd ever had, um, and I was grateful to them for that. So um, I'll never forget it. I'm glad. I'm glad they got it when they did because, like you said, you know, if they had taken that year for granted, you know, I wouldn't. I would. That memory would not be nearly as sweet.
0: No doubt. No doubt about it. And it's it's uh, for like you said, for an adult Celtics fan. Uh, this is probably the only, unless you're. A lot older, Uh, (laughs) you know, our age and I guess older. Uh, This is the only championship you know, and uh, I'm so glad that they have a chance. These fans have had a chance to experience it and and really fall in love with those teams. They were special, but it also kind of makes you thirsty for the next one, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it does. And it's we'll talk next time about, you know, how this is all going to play out. And I think. Another week under our belts and we're heading into April, it's going to become really clear whether or not we'll even have a postseason or if this whole thing is just going to be scrapped and looking to next year to hit the reset button. So stay tuned for that, everybody. Keep your heads up. Um, I hope everybody is safe at home. I hope you're listening and we're just one of those ways that you're getting through the days and definitely to all my fellow healthcare workers that are out there on the front lines if you even have uh, a spare moment to even listen to the show if you are um, a huge thank you to you because um, you know I know supplies like PPE are running low and and you're all going into the fire so keep up the good work and um, just let you know that uh, we appreciate everything that you're doing. This broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media mobile app, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in, and remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, seven. Executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Jelso. And for my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poolin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live.
0: I um...